The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz/donate. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by Spark Lab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about Spark Lab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. And welcome to Business is Boring. New Zealand used to be at the absolute front of payments. EFTPOS was pioneered and tested here, and for a while we were at the lead. But that was 30 years ago. Since then, the way people pay for things, send money around, and the innovation and costs people experience have improved out of sight around the world, while New Zealand has stayed still and is now at the back of the OECD. Two Kiwi guys who became mates as neighbours in Singapore came back to Aotearoa in lockdown and wanted to access the same services they had experienced and set about building a mobile payments app that could help people split payments, send money around and be faster and cheaper than the status quo. Their company, Dosh, has now partnered with banks, launched a card with Visa and found big support in 18 to 30-year-olds. And founders James McInary and Shane Marsh are here today to talk about what it takes to start a financial service, how our payment system stacks up, open banking and what's next. Tena korua. Thank you for being here. James and Shane. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Hey, so you two were mates in Singapore. Tell us what led you there and what you were up to. Yeah, good question. Well, actually, um, we were actually weren't mates before we uh, we got to Singapore. Um, we both uh, got transferred up to Singapore with our with our previous roles and our corporate jobs, and um, yeah, we actually became neighbours in, in the in the condo. So you know, having two two Kiwis live next to each other by you know luck, chance, and magic in a in a very busy little city, um, that's how we met each other um, in the, in the condo in Singapore, and obviously uh, kids similar age. Used to hang out um, when you're up in Singapore. There was, um, you know, a small expat contingent of Kiwis, so you get get quite tight with, you know, your common folk from back home. And uh, that's how I met Shane. He was my neighbour. Yeah, and what what were you two doing there? Yeah, so I was working in banking. So I worked for one of the Australian banks. Um, I've been there uh, with them in, in New Zealand for ten years, and an opportunity came up to head up to Singapore. Um, and yeah, just couldn't turn it down. Really, it's such a um, exciting um, country to live in. Really advanced in terms of some of its um, digital and technology. Um, and so yeah, really just wanted to get up there and experience um, what they call kind of Asia One Hundred and One. Um, you're a great entry point into the the broader region. Yeah, how, how about you, James? Yes, yeah, so I was working for Lime Breweries. Um, I was with him for 15 years in the last sort of four or five up in up in Singapore. And up, my role predominantly was um, the the global markets director for Asia. So I looked after Southeast Asia, North Asia, and China, um, with a focus around 
you know, getting um, New Zealand Australia's craft beer up into Asia because of the emerging middle class. There was a, a strong demand for products out of our part of the, the world. Um, Australia and New Zealand has looked very fondly um, from Singaporean point of view and Asia point of view because a lot of people travel here pre-COVID, right? So, yeah, my job was to really establish brands, um, invest in breweries across the region and build and build uh, little creatures, um, microbreweries throughout Asia, really. Yeah, cool. And, you know, you mentioned there, Shane, about like the kind of digital finance landscape there. Like so much of the talk uh, for years about, you know, the future of apps and banking and, you know, connect- connectivity, you know, in, in the kind of Western world um, was talking about stuff that already existed, right, in the Chinese-influenced world. Like paint a picture of like how, how people were operating, you know, what, what year was this and how people were operating in Singapore and across China especially, versus what was happening in New Zealand. Yeah, that's, it's a really interesting comparison. So um, a lot of the the digital uh, financial services uh, kind of actually commenced in, in Europe and the UK when they reduced some, um, some of the barriers to entry in that space to effectively improve competition post the GFC. China was really quick to pick up um, on this technology apps such as um, WeChat um, were widely used. And in what's a, a remarkable case study, uh, the Chinese banks were disintermediated from the consumers in one year. You think of a, a country with the size and the economy and the number of people um, that it is, within one year there was a complete change and everyone was doing payments and moving money and buying things. Um, through these social media apps as opposed to going directly with your bank. And so um, massive take-up in China, um, massive take-up um, and explosion of new services in uh, UK and Europe. And then that kind of filters into Singapore, which is really very focused from the government down around being a digital leader. And so some of the things that uh, services James and I were using up there for the first time were these apps that you could just instantly send money and you could buy things and get rewards and it was easy and everyone was using it. Um, And so we were really kind of early adopters of that tech and, and loved it. It felt like science fiction when you'd go over to kind of a you know Chinese influenced kind of country, and um, and you'd be able to go up to you know the oldest um, stall in the street, and they'd be making you know there'd be one guy in a walk, and then you, the only way you could pay is through your phone. And this is when in New Zealand where we, we were so many years behind that. But I mean the amazing thing about China, uh, Singapore, and and Europe, where, where the open banking made a lot of this possible, is there it was cheap to do it. Well, here, we've caught up now in that you can wave your phone and pay, but it costs you and the merchant heaps. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, New Zealand was a leader in kind of payments and financial services perhaps 30 years ago when it created FPOS, but not that much has changed since then. And so a lot of the services that you see kind of taking over the world outside of New Zealand never actually made it here. And New Zealand's payment systems are 10, probably 10 years behind the rest of the world, even behind Australia, which has really invested and leapt forward. And so that's the opportunity that we saw is that actually we were experiencing this new tech and then really um, acutely aware that it didn't exist in New Zealand. And then that, w- and that was the opportunity that we, we saw. 
And just just on that point, um, you know, my, you know, I, I'm not a payments guy. I'm not a banker. I was, you know, I was in a, in a FMCG large corporate. And as a late adopter of the tech, I moved to Singapore, and I quickly realised that. You know, you didn't need your credit card. You needed your debit card. I didn't have those cards after the first sort of three or four months. I was using these apps. And what I love about the customer experience, which, you know, led me to, to where we are today, was I could I could go to a coffee shop. I could scan a QR code, buy an $8.50 coffee, an all-pressed coffee it was, and the world's most expensive coffee. And then the app would say, Mr. Jim, you've just been $8.50. How about rounding it up to $9 and we'll invest that 50 cents in a Google share? So during COVID, for 90 days, Lockdown, every day I bought a coffee and I tapped yes, 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 because it was just another 50 cents. I'm not an investor. And then after three months, I got sent a cool little uh, digital um, share portfolio. So for me, that was an example of making my experience easy to invest, right, while I was buying a coffee, after I got the reward points, after I paid the merchant instantly. So that was sort of my, you know, my my thinking that got me into, I mean, this is pretty cool. Can't wait to go back to New Zealand because someone's done it. The technology has to be there. Right. <laughs> but then what happened when you came back to New Zealand? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good that's another good story. So uh, COVID came, you know, just we, we didn't know how long. That first year in lockdown in Singapore was 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 tough. You know, small island, thirty Ks by thirty Ks, five million people. You couldn't leave your house one person at a time. Curfew at ten o'clock. You could go and get food and medicine and that was about it. Oh and, and, and ride your bike. And so we decided to move home. And I walked past Shane. He said, uh, well, "You know, what are you going to do?" And I said, "Well, I'm going to miss. You know, I'm going to miss the food, the culture, the climate. I loved it up there. It was just, it was, it was a brilliant experience for my, myself and my family. But I'm looking forward to going home and using these digital wallets that I've used all around the region on my travels. Right, PayLah, GrabPay, WeChat. Um, and he said, "Cannot. I'll stop you there." And I'm, and I'm just, you know, curious guy. And I said, "What do you mean, cannot? Talk to me about that." So he said, "Go get a beer." And we sat in the pool, and he told me about um, why not, mm. and that's that's where Dosh, the seed of Dosh, was planted, really. And, and and why not? I mean, a lot of people might have heard of open banking and these kind of concepts, right? That have been long promised and very slow to arrive. Like, what what is the situation that means that we we were stuck in this world where, like you said, we we like to think that we were at the front of payments because of FPOS. That was it's like buying a car from 1990 and saying it's new. Yeah, and so there's there's a, a number of reasons for that, right? One is that. Um, overseas where the change has been driven, it's generally been governmental driven um, because they're trying to achieve certain objectives So, um, and it's driven at a, an, an industry level um, and so this forces um, change because change is, is at a industry level is quite expensive, right? So that, that hasn't happened here. New Zealand's um, is dominated by four Australian-owned banks. Um, the main decisions are made uh, in Australia for those organisations. So the investment in New Zealand, desire for change in New Zealand hasn't been there. Um, in addition to that, where people have, uh, organisations have tried to create their services, there's a, a couple of false starts where people got to the start line or, or couldn't get it um, over the start line. And so... When we went into the space, we knew that it was going to be a real challenge to get started. But if we could get started, there was a real opportunity there to bring um, world-leading innovation to New Zealand, which would help bring New Zealand from being 10 years behind to being uh, on par with where the rest of the world is at. 
And with those Aussie banks, like they're further along in Oz, because the government's pushed them to be further along, they've all built the technology. They all know how to do it. And it's just not being applied here, which is mad. But, like, what kind of stuff are we talking about? Because kind of open banking, um, you know, is it is it like, you know, from a layperson's perspective, it's like, um, radically, you, you know, at the moment, the fact that it takes, you know, days sometimes to transfer things between banks um, and it costs a lot. Like those two things are absolutely unnecessary in a digital age. And they've had to legislate away the ability of banks to make things slow and expensive. Yeah, so there's there's two main things that have, um, trends that have happened in the last five, ten years that have enabled the uh, radical changes offshore. So the first is uh, real-time um, payments, uh, which is generally a top-down industry build to enable the banks to move money between themselves instantly 24-7. Now, that has been done in 45 other countries around the world, um, but it hasn't been done in New Zealand. I think New Zealand's the only OECD country where it hasn't been done. And so in New Zealand, quite remarkably, and most people when I tell them the story who live offshore, they still can't believe it. In New Zealand, you can only move money Mondays to Fridays, and it's going to be delayed an hour or two um, before it gets to the other party. And in the weekend, the money doesn't move at all. So that's real-time payments. And the second big trend is, the, is open banking, which is removing some of the barriers to... Um, new services coming in. So traditionally, for uh, to be a financial service provider, you had to have a lot of capital and you um, had all the data and you would use that as a build a moat around your business so other people couldn't come in and service your customers. And so what they've done overseas is enabled that data to be shared so that other people can bring in um, new services and provide services to those customers. And then also they've reduced the the capital requirements for being a bank or starting a bank. So bringing in new innovative banks, um, trying to avoid some of the issues you had around the GFC where you've got big banks that were acting badly um, and then ultimately um, ending up in financial disaster for the world. So those are the two big changes that have happened. And um, real-time payments at an industry level here is um, three to five years away. Um, DOSH has been the first party to introduce real-time payments in New Zealand. And in terms of open banking, you've just seen um, noise from the government in the last couple of months about bringing that in, but still that's that's a couple of years away. And open banking has allowed, like people might have travelled and used something like Revolut in Europe or the UK, which, you know, you, you have radically lower exchange rates as you go through these things and allowed things like... Um, you, you know, Venmo people would know that technology, but that kind of are those services what are allowed when you're able to share data and it stops being proprietary with moats. Yeah, it ta- I mean, it takes a, um, that's part of it, but it also takes like an organisation to you know, bring that technology to the table to be able to put um, you know, a brand and a customer experience around it. Um, to build that business, there's a compliance element to it. You've got to have a, a, a large range of partners to bring that to the table. So those are components of it. I think, in, and you'll see this a little bit in the press and from politicians, that there's a, a sense that if we introduce open banking, we're going to be radically innovative and on par with the world. It takes a lot. It's going to take a lot more than that. Um, but it is a step in the right direction. And we'll be back in a moment with James and Shane from DOSH to hear how they went about setting up their own digital mobile wallet.
Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Hokimai Ano, and welcome back to Business is Boring, where we're chatting with James and Shane from DOSH. And like a lot of people would have seen DOSH around and, and you know, become users lately and seen the, seen the news of the partnership with Visa and all this stuff, which makes it seem like it was always like quite a certain thing to happen, right? Once something's happened. But really, it's just two dudes <laughs> trying to launch a new way to bank and move money around. Like, What's involved with with starting to do something, especially when everyone would just go, oh, well, you know, you won't be able to do it. The banks will do that. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I think when... um when I came, I came back from Singapore first and went through MIQ. I spent that first that fourteen days in, in MIQ, you know, building the good old pitch deck. Right, we had an idea, we had a concept, we had spent some time in Singapore when we knew we were coming home because um, we're not, you know, we're not tech guys. Shane's a Shane's got a great banking background, and I'm a sales and marketing, um, you know, guy. <laughs> and so, first thing we had to do is is, is find, um, you know, find the best tech partners in in the world who made these digital wallets globally, right? And and that took that took three to four months of. Uh, we did an RFI, put it out. We, we we identified the top the top three or four digital wallet build, builders in the in in the world who who were predominantly building wallets for banks north of the equator, so across Asia across India, across UK, Europe. And that was a process we went through because you'd, you'd, you'd knock on the door and you go, hi, that's James James and Shane from New Zealand. would like to um, would like to build a product with you and we're going to launch it in New Zealand. And they go, okay, we, we, where's New Zealand and how many people? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, for me, from a layman's point of view, use your words, you know, the, 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 the tech was um, the idea, the tech was already there. It's old tech, 14 years old. But for me, the biggest challenge, as Shane mentioned before getting started, was bringing it to New Zealand and integrating it into New Zealand, right? And that's where, um, you know, just getting to the start line was was really really hard. Like it was it was tough. And, and what is a mobile wallet like? What what so what does what does Dosh do? Like what are the actual features you kind of launched with or went out to try and launch with? Yeah, so Dosh is a uh, an app uh, in the app stores. Uh, you can download it. Um, you sign up to get an account. Uh, you put money in the account, um, and then you can um, pay your friends instantly. You pay to their mobile number, so no more swapping bank account numbers. That money moves instantly, so no more delays. 
Um, and then we've introduced a card, which means you can pay for a restaurant meal and then split that cost out amongst your friends really easy and get paid back instantly. So you then got that money, you can go on to the, the, the bar after the restaurant, get yourself a drink. Um, and then and then we've added some rewards to it as well. So so Dosh is a is an app that really makes your financial services uh, much easier and quicker and user friendly than your what you've experienced to date, which is probably with a bank which is a bit old, a bit stale, um, and not very innovative, as we discussed in the last segment. And, and quite often, like, tied into its own environment, right? Like, banks for a while have been offering pay-by-text, as long as you're with the same bank. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about creating something that sits above all of these things when there isn't the regulatory environment to make them right, when I'll bet they're all, you know, um, in, a, in their ideal world, they'd probably not be having people building stuff on top of themselves if they could get away with it. Yeah, so the banks are um, uh, aware that this this technology is um, out there coming to the market, and in some ways they want to be associated with the leading providers as well. So, so we've got a, a great supportive bank that's um, helped us get to market, um, and is quite happy to tell people that they you know, they are our banker. And um, for us, though, you know, we're providing financial services. We're holding people's money. With that comes a lot of responsibility and trust. Um, so we're regulated by the Department of Internal Affairs. Um, we hold the money in trust in a bank. Money only moves on client request, etc. So it, it, when you're dealing with money, there's a lot of responsibility and trust that needs to come with that. And so while we are providing these innovative services, the actual money is, is held in a bank and securely. Yeah, I bet there's quite a bit to go about when you're trying to start a bank, right? Like, what's that process like? Yeah, it's, it's challenging. So there is a, definitely a, a regulatory compliance piece of it. And because you have a relationship with a bank and you have a relationship, in our case, with Visa, um, you need to meet a very high watermark in terms of your compliance, your governance, and because they have a reputational risk in terms of working with you. And when we talk about really difficult barriers, you know, James has talked about the tech. Um, the other really challenging part is the regulatory and compliance piece. And so you need to bring all of those together, plus all the other good things that come with starting a company, such as funding and investors and um, a brand and customers. And so bringing all that together is where the challenge lies. Yeah, as, you know, getting customers. So banks are some of, um, you know, they're they're enormously profitable. They've got big moats. Um, They do a lot of uh, advertising, sponsorship. They're some of the biggest spenders in customer retention and acquisition. How do you go about <laughs> getting some customers to get your own thing? Because you, you've had some great growth, hey? Like, yeah, how did you go about getting those first customers? Who did you focus in on? And what's what's helped you kind of, like, really jump up? Yeah, so when we, when we launched, we had a, we just had a peer-to-peer, you know, instant peer-to-peer payment offering. You had a mobile phone with a Dosh app. I had a mobile phone with a Dosh app. I could send you money because you're in my contact list, right? We're friends or we're in some sort of network because your number was in my phone. So that was a proposition we, we launched with. And it was really an MVP product. We had to test the market. And my job in this relationship was to build awareness and trust, right? You know, the word DOSH, 
people sort of get it. It's 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 a it's a fun it's a fun name for money. It means different things in different other countries. But um, you know, we were in those early days. People thought we were scammers. People thought we were crypto. People didn't understand the tech. What do you mean you can move money? Just anybody in your contacts list, whether they've got Dosh or not. So there was there was a it was a big exercise to build our brand, but also build trust, right, and awareness that. The money isn't going anywhere. It's New Zealand dollars. It's safe. It's 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 you know I call it old technology in that it's new to New Zealand, but it's tr- it's tried and true um, around the world for many many years. So the first thing we did is, um, and we were in, remember we were in lockdown when we launched Dosh, right? So we couldn't get together. You know Shane and I were testing products all day for many many weeks remotely, um, which was tough because you couldn't be in a room together. Um, and I've still got the photo when we pushed go and launched the app. And we're in the CBD, and we're the only ones in, in this, <laughs> literally in the CBD, and we put it out there. Yeah, your target customers weren't out sharing dinners no, and that's right. bills. Yeah, that exactly. Moment. And so that was exactly it. So our value proposition at launch was pay, I think it was um, uh, instant payments 24-7 and then um, and split bills, right? And so we targeted, um, and we learned a lot in the first three months, right, what we thought was our customer who was coming to DOSH. We had a lot of, we had a lot of curious people come in, a lot of bankers, a lot of, you know, corporate people come in just to have a look at the product. And then we landed on a nice sweet spot um, between 18 and, and 30-year-olds was our core users who were coming in. They were putting money in. And then slowly we saw people, you know, sharing um, sharing costs, splitting costs, paying each other back for nights out, for rent, for groceries. You know, very, very mundane transactions, right, in a, but daily and, and um, you know, transactions that you, you, you a part of your daily life in a flat situation, in a house situation, or just friends sharing costs over, you know, I got the tickets to the rugby game. Here's my, you know, here's my hundred dollars back. Right. So that's how we started. We did a campaign. Um, uh, we, you know, just, just back to Shane talking about partners and integrating. We're, you know, I think we're very lucky. We, 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 we quickly formed um, a group of, you know, strategy um, creative media from a marketing point of view we had some r- really early adopters come in who were passionate about our product who wanted to work with us right and that goes a long way when you're a startup if you've, if you've got Shane I believe in it we're the ones dancing and then all of a sudden you've got two or three other people come on board and well, they want to be dancing with you and be on the journey it, it's you know from a, from a startup and a founder that takes a lot of um, gives you a lot of confidence but a lot of support right if you don't have support it's a, it's a, it's it can be a long journey, right? And so we very lucky we surround ourselves with these people who were, were so supportive. And I guess one of my biggest learnings um, that I, you know, someone said was the biggest learning from from launching Dosh was, you know, that network. So you know, Simon, I met you in the early days because a friend of mine, Al, said, "Hey, go chat to Simon. He, he, he's he's a good egg, and he can have some ideas." For that first three months, I was having five meetings a day. I was asking people for half an hour of their time usually over coffee. I drink a lot of coffee that, that, that first three months. But those people would give you an hour of their time. And they and if they couldn't help you or they didn't quite understand what you're doing, they say, so, oh, this, this person might. So I was, you know, very, um, you know, very thankful for those people who, who helped me connect with other people to help get Dosh going, right? So that was that was a big learning. But back to the, the customer growth question, um, we, we, we couldn't we couldn't make any sort of above-the-line advertising because we couldn't get together. So our, our, our very creative friends, we did some animations, right? And we did some ads and some films and videos, and, and they were, you know, uh, iconic kiwi animals, a kiwi and a cow and a sheep, 
talking about instant payments in a really fun and quirky way. And that was just to stop people and go, what is this? And even if they just stopped and thought, dosh, not sure, what is it? Something about instant payments. That was a starting point that we had, we had, to, had to put plant the seed and, and start building that um, momentum. So that's, that's our, our go-to-market uh, creative was talking animals. And getting into that niche where, you know, things like Cash App and Venmo people might have used in the States or, you know, there, there, there's, there, there are other things that might do those things. But, like, that's quite – that could still be quite niche, right? It might not necessarily take. And then tell me about, like, the, the Visa um, partnership, which kind of brings it into kind of, um, you know, true establishment zone, hey? Yeah, so Visa, um, uh, you know, approached us early because – they um, currently, around the world, have banks that issue their cards. Uh, but what they've quickly learned is that there's a whole new set of customers um, who are looking to issue cards as well, and these are the fintechs like DOSH, um, and they, these uh, providers can generate a lot of growth. So it's almost a, a new set market segment for them. But the, the Visa's an amazing company with... Um, a deep uh, focus on innovation. And so when we started to talk to them, we found that we were really aligned in terms of wanting to bring innovation to New Zealand and um, work together to find out how we can you know, help each other facilitate that. Um, and so we've um, been partnered with them for some time now in um, terms of bringing our card proposition to market, um, which um, has brought to life our, our deals and our rewards and our split bill, etc. And we have you know, weekly um, conversations in terms of you know, what are the, some of the other innovations and problems that we could solve um, both in New Zealand but in potentially in the region as well um, because uh, for us, you know, we're pretty excited that we've been able to bring um, some new services to New Zealand and so we're always thinking about what's the next problem to solve, what's the next customer experience do we think that we could um, bring um, to this market. Yeah, where do you see it going at the moment? Because I've always been amazed by, um, you know, payments is such a great you know, business, right? Because if you're the payments, um, you know, if you're the visa in the equation or the, you, you know, the person providing the um, the credit, you can kind of charge both people on uh, both sides of the transaction and invent the money. <laughs> like, it's quite an amazing invent your stock for a large uh, part of it, your inventory. So, like, that, that's quite a wildly good business. Like, is, is, is kind of payments where you go or staying in the intermediary space? So how does that work? Yeah, well, we see the opportunity as being um, giving Kiwis um, the tools to be able to manage their money and do better with money and to make their lives easier. So because New Zealand's 10 years behind from a payments perspective, we started with payments and we think we've put some great products out there and the customers are giving us that feedback and using them you know, more and more every week. But there's, there's more to be done, right? So people are saying, yeah, but I also want to be really good with budgeting and saving uh, my money. And I want to be really good with, um, if, if I'm going to look at credit, I want to be good with credit. And, um, and not all of the products out there at the moment, popular or not, are good for people. And so we're really thinking about how do we give Kiwis the tools to be great with money and help them be successful in a way that's digital and easy and innovative. Yeah, a lot of people discovering that their 
uh, maybe over-enthusiastic love for buy now, pay later, mm. is stopping them getting credit cards and mortgages and stuff right now, which is, you know, not something they would have seen coming maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and from Shane's comments, you know, from a, a customer experience or a user experience for DOSH, um, you know, really, really focused on, on making it easy for you know, our customers and our future Kiwi customers to, to do things with their money in a place that's digital first, right? Fast, convenient, but also in a way that's, you know, what got me into these products when I was living in Asia, which was an element of fun, an element of, hey, that's cool, you know, boarding a plane to go on a family holiday. And my wife says, hey, you brought the family insurance. I'm so, yeah, of course I have. And I just open up my, open up my app. And within three minutes, I've brought the family, you know, insurance as I was boarding the plane because I'd forgotten. Yeah, yeah. Right? So for me, that was a, <laughs> hey, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Got me out of a bit of a pickle. So, you know, the products that we'll bring into DOSH, I'm really excited about. Um, you know, we've got a lot of work to do this year. We'll, we'll be launching two new products this year, which I'm, I'm really excited about from not only from, a, you know, I'm, a, I'm passionate about customer experience, but um, making sure those products are right and delivering value for, for Kiwis. Yeah, that's so cool. And, you know, as a, as a kind of, you know, having been through the, the journey to now, like what would your advice be for people who might be trying to do something that, you know, it seems a bit impossible, you know, launching something like this before the regulations are there to kind of make it something people have to play with you with. And also in a space where, you know, a lot of people would have thought you couldn't do it, just two, two dudes. <laughs> well... For both of us, we were in long corporate careers. We had no entrepreneurial um, experience before we started this. We'd never raised money or managed investors. Um, but we had an idea and we, you know, a lot of people sit in their corporate jobs with great ideas but just can't quite get to the point where they jump out and give it a crack. And, you know, so what from our experience, um, you might succeed and you might fail but unless you give it a go, you'll never really know. And so I think one of the first things I would recommend would be, you know, kind of back yourself um, and give it a go and you'll learn so much and it'll be such an amazing experience. It'll be stressful, it'll be challenging, but you'll learn and grow. Um, and I think for a lot of people, that's got to be better than not trying at all. Um, and the second one is, is, you know, James kind of mentioned before, is surround yourself with... Um, really good people, um, not just people who are good at what they do, but people who believe in what you're doing and they want to be part of it because that's quite a different different experience than people who are just selling you a service. Um, and then you'll find that you'll get um, momentum and support and on the hard days you'll get picked up and driven forward um, and when it all seems bleak, you'll see they'll give you some rays of sun, sunlight. You know, and that type of thing will be needed in order to get through the hard times. And so, yeah, surrounding yourself with good people, I think, is um, is really critical. And that can be good people in terms of your co-founder. Um, it can be your suppliers. Um, it can be – it could probably be your early customers as well. Yeah, I tend to agree. You know, the, the, um, for me, you know, jumping into a startup in your mid-40s, mid to late-40s um, – giving up your corporate job and, you know, you've got a lot of other pressures, right? You've got family pressures, you've got, you've got bills to pay, you've got school fees, you've got all that stuff, right? Um, so having support of family and, and partners was really key, right? Because you're putting, there's a bit of risk around it and you, well, there's a lot of risk around it. Um, so you, you need that support um, at home. So, you know, I think Shane and I 
I can speak shame, but both very lucky that you know our, our families are 110 percent behind us and believe in in the Dosh, the, what we're doing with Dosh. So that was the number one, getting that commitment. And then to Shane's point, you know, I, you couldn't. It's very hard to do this by yourself. It's actually probably very very difficult to do this by yourself. So when I'm having a tough day, Shane picks me up. When Shane's having a tough day, you know, hopefully I, I make him laugh. Um, and then those, you know, as I said before, those contacts, you know, don't. Don't be afraid to reach out and say g'day. You know, I've, sp- I've spoken to people who I haven't, I haven't seen since school just because they're experts in their field to get advice. And that might be accountant advice, you know, legal advice. Just how would you go about buying a trademark? How would you go about setting up a website? You know, real simple things that you've got to do because it's, it's part, of the, part of building a business these days. And so while Shane and I have got great, you know, a lot of experience building a business from a corporate point of view, very organised um, and have a, you know we know we know all the, the buckets you got to fill, but that support network and those contacts you know and New Zealand's great people people like to help they really do and they might not say that to your face but they actually want you pick up the phone and you say g'day it's James hey can I have half an hour of your time I want to I want to talk to you about um, this particular issue or this what you or you're great and people they, they say yes I I couldn't agree more eh like I've always found it weird when people um bucket business in with some kind of individualism yeah. some kind of you know very all out for ourselves kind of political yeah. beliefs or something it's it's almost socialist in how much people want to help you you know <laughs> yeah and, and, and so you know, so lean into that yeah, for people, yeah. lean into it and and we want to be where we are today you know two years on the journey um a little bit more actually um without those early conversations and, and the help. And, you know, as I said before, I'm very thankful for those those people across, you know, even strangers who, who stopped and gave me a bit of advice or feedback, you know, because there are people who have said, this will fail. And that's pretty empowering. I've got a list on my wall of people who said you'd fail, right? And so that, you know, that list, I look at that list and, and, and that's cool because that motivates me to go, okay, well, every day I'm not failing is, is a good day. That's so cool. And, and yeah, and like what will, like, you know, from the outside and because it is such a hard thing to establish a bank and a closed market and all the rest, like it's, it's phenomenal, like um, the, the, how far Dosh has come already. But like what will success be for you two personally and where do you see Dosh going? Yeah, I think for me, um, I, I started out, you know, with James on a journey to try and make a difference by bringing in innovation and um, digital technology that I'm passionate about um, to you know, my country of birth. And um, th- for me, we're part way there because we've done some really interesting services and we've got lots of customers using, et cetera. Um, but I want to see that make a, a difference on a um, highly scaled um, sense right so so for me yeah what does success look like um i'd you know dosh i'd like to see as the leading um digital financial services provider in in new zealand um and then i'd like to think about what that could do more regionally um for uh, um, other parts of you know the region that that don't have the same level of services and have trouble connecting um, and moving money, etc. So, um, so for me, you know that would be that's the that's probably the main objective is to try and um, create that value and, and difference. Yeah, and for myself, um, you know, the, the, when we started the journey after after a big corporate life, it was actually hey, I, I want to work, I want to work for myself and build a business that I can be proud of. Right, and um, 
you know, we're, we're partly there. I, I could hand on heart say we launched our MVP product, you know, wasn't exactly proud of some of the UX and proud of, you know, because we're testing the market. Now we've come a long way. I'm, I'm pretty bloody proud of what we've got out there. And then to Shane's point around the community, you know, there is a real need to, to help people and get, and, and what, I, what I like is that we can help people get money to people in need quickly, right? So in theory, on a Saturday night, if somebody needs emergency funds or there's an event and, and we, money needs to move to help people, you know, DOSH can do that. Um, with the support of, you know, some certain government bodies and things that can help facilitate that. So for, for me, that's pretty cool that we can we can help people. Um, but from a, you know, from a business and a brand perspective, bringing innovation to New Zealand is also, is pretty cool, right? And and for me and Shane, I know we're on, on this journey to bring a new, a, a new way of doing things. And if Dosh can grow and continue over the over the next, you know, we've got a, we've got a plan, we've got a seven year roadmap. We want to do some pretty cool things in New Zealand and regionally. Then stand back and go, wow, you know, maybe we did push the banks along a little bit, or maybe we did help, you know, Shane's conversations with various payment bodies to to push innovation and give Kiwis a bit more of what we were experiencing when we were living in Singapore. Yeah, love it. And I think all consumers are looking forward to the, you know, 3% tax on the economy that a lot of the payment system has at the moment as, as that starts to drop as it has in other countries as well. Like mm. it's a mm. big difference for businesses and people who are, you know, in a in an increasing costs crisis. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing uh, the story today. That's uh, Shane Marsh and James McInery. Uh Yeah, look forward to see where you take Dosh next. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for having us. So thank you to James and Shane, to you for listening, and for everyone who helps make this happen, like our producer, Te Aihe Butler. Do follow Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to rate and leave a review if you like what we do. E nohora. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Kia ora e te iwi, Kiaihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.